What's going on, Jets Nation? Welcome to another edition of Weapons Hot, a New York Jets fan broadcast here exclusively on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, CJ the Painkiller D. Simone. Let me introduce you to my squadron. Uh, first off, kicking it off, Mr. Kevin Spotty Blackman Jackson down at the bottom over there, uh, over directly to uh, your left, my right, uh, Mr. Jimmy the Reaper Jardine, otherwise known as At Jets by Jimmy. And, of course, following up the rear, mostly not to be forgotten, our rookie test pilot. And, yes, is the reason why we call him the rookie test pilot, Mr. Harrison the Fireball Glazer. And tonight, we'd like to welcome Mr. Jude Jetson, uh, who's going to be joining us to talk a little NFL draft. So, Jude, first off, uh, how are you, my friend? Doing great. It's Friday. Got the weekend right next to me. It feels great. All right. Beautiful thing. So, uh, really quick. Let's uh, go around the room because uh, I'm very curious to uh, to get everyone's uh, uh, everyone's thoughts and uh, you know pr- pretty much uh, overall uh, temperature on the Jets NFL draft. We, uh, in my opinion, we came away with some really good players. Um, you know, obviously Zach Wilson and Elijah Vera Tucker, uh, Jets double dipping on day one. Uh, actually moving up from 23 to 14 in a move which was definitely unprecedented. Um, Elijah Moore being set, uh, being picked uh, day two with uh, pick number 34. Very elusive, probably one of the top receivers um, in the NFL draft, in my opinion. And then, of course, round four, um, we double-dipped again uh, in regards to offense with Michael Carter running back out of North Carolina. Very shifty back, very powerful back. Uh, some Some would argue that he would probably be up there along with the likes of Travis Etienne and Najee Harris um, in regards to running backs in this draft. So round five, Sherwood, uh, safety out of Auburn, a very interesting move. Um, Round five, pick number 154, Michael Carter II, safety out of Duke. Uh, Round five again uh, from a trade with Kansas City. Um, Jets acquired Jason Pinnock, cornerback out of Pittsburgh. So again, more uh, cornerback. Uh, help to uh, more quarterback help and quarterback depth uh, to be added to that uh, that secondary room, which was much depleted last year. Uh, round number six. Uh, uh, I, I know I'm going to butcher this dude's name, but um, uh, Hamasan Nasiru Deleen, uh safety out of Florida State. So listen, I won't hold it against it that he's a Seminole, but you know what? If he can come in here and do some damage, it'll work. Um, also round number six, pick number 200, Brandon Eccles, cornerback out of Kentucky. Um, another project guy, but does have a huge upside. And I think that he could definitely be able to contribute on special teams as well as possibly maybe crack the 53 man roster. And of course, round number six, 207, Jonathan Marshall, uh, out of Arkansas, uh, in which the Jets actually acquired from Pittsburgh through Miami and Kansas City. Uh, he's a defensive tackle. So, now, that's just for the guys that were drafted within the seven rounds. Jets went ahead and actually signed an unprecedented, I believe, 10 to 12 people for undrafted free agents. So Two guys I really like. So, we're going to talk a little bit about that in, in just a little bit. And I actually want to turn the baton over to Jude, our guest. Um, Jude, just going over uh, just the main draft picks at this moment in time, uh, were there anybody on this list that kind of shocked you and stood out to you? Uh, or, and was there anyone who kind of left you scratching your head? 
Elijah Moore was the first guy that shocked me. When we selected him at 34, I was like, a receiver this early? What? But then I thought about it some more, and I realized that Crowder was on the last year of his contract, so he would basically be Crowder's replacement. And as you said, he's one of the top receivers in this year's draft. I thought he should have been picked with the Giants at pick 20. Like, he's better than Tony. I really like Really? You think he's better than Kadarius Tony? I really you can make that you argument just, easy. Yeah. You just said that to a Florida fan, Jude. You just said that to a Florida <laughs> fan. <laughs> I agree. But I, but... I really liked Elijah Moore. So I, it was the head-scratching pick for me, but then at the same time, it makes a whole lot of sense because he's essentially Crowder's replacement. And then the two safety picks with Hampson, Asiro, Dean, and uh, Jamie and Sherwood were also head-scratching picks because safety – really isn't that big of a position to need but if you look into them some more you know they're kind of swift army knife type of players they can play linebacker corner whatever you need them to play they're going to be able to play it um so in overall i really think this was a versatile class and while you know the safeties and receiver early work just fine for the new york jets all right so kevin i'm gonna swing the baton over to you tell me what you're uh, tell me what you're thinking I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think Jude has a bright future in doing what it is that we do here um, because he's generally on point with almost every aspect of, of how I feel that this fell. Now, we're going to we're going to differ slightly because I, I and I think I made this clear initially. I'm a little upset we gave away the, the, the three, the, the two third rounders. Excuse me. And I mean, that was that was just my initial reaction, right? So thinking about it, and I, I know we, 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 and I've you know, probably kicked this around a few times since. Elijah Barrett Tucker is what they say was the safest pick uh, to make in the, almost in the entire first round. So, you know, with that being said, and also with my own understandings that I personally have been screaming about how criminally neglected this offensive line has been over the course of the past, uh, you know, 10 years. Um, I think you and I have cornered the market on that statement. Yeah, I mean, literally, because it, 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 it might be true. I think I might have yelled that first on this show. Um but but this is this this to me is where the brilliance of, of Joe Douglas and, and, and Rex and Phil and all of those guys. Um because we're talking about those late round picks, right? And in coming back from losing those third rounders, which to me, you know, and I mean and just let me I'll put it in perspective. I was under the impression that it would be a spot for us to draft Kenneth Gainwell at eighty six, right? And to me, Kenneth Gainwell, I thought, was just a slightly better back than Michael Carter. I think he has some all-around skills that are just slightly uh, above where Carter was. And to me, that was the pick. And when we traded that away, my first thought was, oh, <laughs> you know, there goes, there goes the shot to get my guy. But, you know, coming back and get Michael Carter, again, the brilliance of what Joe Douglas and his staff have done. Those late-round picks, man, those, those, those fifth and sixth rounders, Man, we they have a type, right? Can you tell that based on what it is that they based on what it is we brought? We have a type. Those those hybrid linebacker, uh, you know, kind of Jamal Adams, kind of uh, you know, transitional players that can play two or three different positions, you know, in a defense. And you know, I mean, maybe some of them do have some coverage questions. I think most of them do, and that's kind of what you get uh, standard when you, when you have guys uh, drafted at this point, but. Um, I really like what it is that they did, man. I'm just going to be honest with you. I think uh, Bless Boston has to come into camp feeling like he's on notice right now. That uh, his job you is better. not safe. You know what I'm saying? His job is not safe. I think Arthur Mollett and all of those guys that are in there thinking that maybe, you know, they, they brought in these six rounders. And, uh, you know, I think I'm in good shape. 
I think all of them guys better, you know, they better make sure that they, they draws is tight and make sure that the socks is pulled up because some of these guys have are really talented. And we talk about Echo specifically, you talk about that speed. When you talk about Nazero Dean and, and, and how he can be kind of that Swiss Army knife guy in, you know, I guess what, what we still kind of don't know what the defense is going to look like, right? We haven't really seen it yet. Right. I think I think it's just, look, as far as talent is concerned, I think you knocked it out of the park. I think, you know, there are obviously some questions that most people can have naturally. No one's going to agree 100% with anything that anyone does. But, uh, you know, I, I've, I've also seen where, you know, some of us, some of the grades that we've been given, B, B minus and stuff like that. I don't know what the hell you're looking at if you think that we got anything less than an A grade. All right. So, um, Fireball, we're going to turn it over to you. I know that you have uh, quite a bit uh, to get off your chest, so fire away. <laughs> <Bye. laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> so, you knew that was coming. Continue. Hey. Harrison, do your thing, brother. I love you. I can keep it brief if need be. <laughs> Give a quick summation. So three hours later. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Go ahead. Say your piece. It's all good, man. It's all good. But uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll keep it brief. But <laughs> I had to mute. Go ahead. You almost just made me spit up on the screen. <laughs> Uh, all right, go ahead. So, man, I'm excited, and I've I can't stop talking about this draft. You guys mentioned all the guys. <laughs> Joe Douglas killed it across the board. Every single pick was a fantastic pick. I loved everybody. I, mean, I have again stats. Of, well, I don't take too much time, but I got stats, you know, to talk about with all the guys. You know, Zach Wilson, obviously, he's the quarterback. You know, the guy I wanted, the guy everybody wanted. You trade up. You take Vera Tucker with the next pick. Vera Tucker was the best interior guy in this draft. Vera Tucker had a pass blocking grade in 2020 of 92.6. His run blocking grade, I don't have it in front of me, but it's pretty high too. He is amazing. He's everything you want in interior guy. He's the equivalent of, I thought he was the top 15 pick. I was telling you guys that, you know, that uh, Joe said he was double down, said it was the top 10 pick. You could literally equate him to like, you know, when the Colts took Quentin Nelson, when Washington took Brandon Scherf, like that's the quality and level of offensive guard you're getting there. So that amazing pick right there. You guys mentioned Elijah Moore, unbelievably dynamic. He was literally the best slot receiver last two years in college. Can't beat that. He get two weapons, gets Michael Carter next. So you give him a dynamic running back. What I really like about Michael Carter is his patience. He's a very patient running back, which is kind of an underrated trait, not really seen as much in today's NFL. He's a lot more patient, ways to hit his holes. When he does, he hits him fierce. Uh, with the defensive picks, and so the so Joe, you know, uses those first four, gets offensive guys. Next all defense. You talked about, you know, getting guys like Sherwood, Nasseldean. Those are linebackers, and that's what's exciting to me. Like, th those are hybrid linebackers, and that's what the NFL is moving to, and that's what you want in a 4-3. If you think about it, we wanted Keanu Neal, you know, not too long ago because he's a big safety, hard hitter, good in coverage. When we first took Sherwood, I was like, oh, we took a safety. I liked him because the dude's a big hitter. Like, he murders people. But uh, then, you know, the Jets announced he's going to play linebacker. That excited me. I wanted Nasseldine more. I felt like he would fit that. 
we get him. We have the corner situation. It, it's just so much. Like, I mean, like the, with the corners, Jordan Pinnock, sorry, Jason Pinnock, with the stats, I, if you guys want to check it out, I put it on Twitter. He has, he could legit be the starting outside corner. Like he was, I put it up, showed out he was actually better than JC Horn last year, better than Derek Stingley in certain categories. Like this kid was massively slept on. Then we get two I, slot guys. I don't know. I, I can show you the numbers. Yeah, the, numbers the, the, number, the numbers are there. We'll see. What, what the numbers are there. That's all I'm saying. The numbers, numbers are don't there. lie. And an important thing, you know, again, I'm going to take too long. They, they but the important thing, you know, with with numbers don't lie, but numbers can be skewed. What's up? Numbers yeah, don't true. lie, but numbers can be skewed. Not in this situation, because if you watch Pitt, and anyone who's a big Pitt fan will tell you this, Pitt defenses are known for putting their cornerbacks on an island. That's why we got a guy like Duel Rivas. Their corners get no help. That's a big thing with Pitt. Their corners are on an island. It's just them. Either they make it or they don't make it. That's always been a thing there. And, you know, just to give it to you quick, because it was this, was, this blew my away. So Pinnock last year had the lowest completion percentage allowed against him of any cornerback any of them, 3% less than J.C. Horn, who was the eighth overall pick. He had the second lowest completion percentage allowed at outside corner in the last two years, 1% less than Derek Stingley Jr. So better in those two categories. So the potential's there. It really, really is. And then with the other two guys, Michael Carter, Eccles, I love them. They're slot guys. If you put them next to Guidry, you see Douglas has a type. Fast burners, 4.29, 4.3 speed, excellent in man coverage, good agility, physical guys. So I'm really excited about all the picks. I think Douglas killed. I even like Marshall, an outstanding draft. No shorties in, in, in any of the corners, right? They're all 6'1 or better, I think, right? Uh, well, Pinnock is a big guy. Pinnock's an outside guy. He's about six foot two hundred. The other guys are slot guys, like... Uh, Michael Carter played safety in college, but he was about 5'11", 190, five, or about 5'10", 190. He matches up to Gidry almost exactly. The two of them are like prototypical in every way. Uh, Gidry had a 4'2", uh, Carter had a 4'3", at Duke. Kids are a burner. Eccles is a burner. They're both physical. You can see that Joe did an excellent draft. And I'm more excited even about the linebackers, but Nassau didn't Sherwood, the ability those two have. What do you think, Jim? All right, Jimmy, what are you thinking? I I like everything about the draft. I mean, during the draft, there were some head scratchers at the time, right? So kind of just like what Jude said, you know, we, we grab a safety and I'm like, wait, wait, why? You know? Safety in the fifth uh, round? What? Yeah, I'm just like, God, it's like Aaron, Aaron Banks from Notre Dame at guard is still there. Like something, you know, do something. And I liked it. Uh, I think Joe Douglas made the best statement that he could possibly make with the three picks after Zach Wilson. Uh, we got Zach Wilson, arguably this easily the second best quarterback in the draft. And, and Kev, I'm saying that with all due respect to Fields. <laughs> Just saying. But that's why I went three. We, we got that. We got, objectively the best guard in the draft in Elijah Vera Tucker, hands down consensus. Um, I think we got a top, we got the best slot, the best slot receiver in the draft in Elijah Moore. Arguably, I would say top six or seven wide receiver talent as a whole in Elijah Moore. Um, Michael Carter at, at the, the fourth pick at um, day two, day three. Um, I think Michael Carter, that North Carolina running game was insane. 
And I think you had – I had my running backs as Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, uh, Kenny Gainwell, and then Michael Carter. So we, we got a top five running back. And it's that, – that offense made a statement that Joe Douglas is going to put the weapons around him and he's going to protect him. The, my little sleeper signing was Tristan Hogue from BYU. Excellent. Low. Played with Zach Wilson, too. Yeah, man. Played with Zach Wilson, but hey, here's boy, what people are forgetting about Tristan Hogue. Tristan Hogue was the number one center coming out of high school in the country. He, he was signed and scholarship by Notre Dame, but he wasn't getting playing time early, and he transferred. Those are all facts. So you have to remember, like, we didn't just get a, a project center. We got a guy that everybody was like, hey, man, this kid, he's, he's a beast. Yeah, now, and, I, and I'm, I'm saying, man, <laughs> like, I still think Creed Humphrey is the best center prospect in the last decade, but arguably Tristan Hogue coming out, um, out of high school, he the kid was insane, and I think he's I think he's a fast learner. I think uh, that that BYU offensive line. What's the biggest complaint that everybody had about Zach Wilson? Oh, is he never gets touched because of his offensive line was too good. He had too much. Time. Okay, <laughs> we got one of those guys. So you know, what are you mad about? You know, and uh, so that's my that's my little sleeper. I absolutely love that signing of Tristan Hogan. I think he's going to shoot up the up the depth chart really quickly this year. Probably not, not a day one starter, but I think he's going to surprise a lot of people in one of our th- in a couple of our three preseason games, and uh, we're going to be we're going to be looking at him pretty intensely moving forward. And even if he doesn't play center, he can play right guard. So if he projects to be somebody that we really like, now we have Makai Becton, we have him Elijah Vera Tucker next to him, Connor McGovern if he progresses the way we hope he does at center, uh, Tristan Hogue at right guard with Fant. I mean, we got a couple tackles in undrafted free agents. Bro, don't sleep on Cameron Clark. Cameron I'm Clark not, is coming I'm this not. season, baby. Look, he's I'm coming and he, he's coming for that right guard spot. I think he's going to take it. I've been saying but, that for months, man. Me too, man. I've been saying it since we drafted him. Yeah, I don't The I biggest don't think, thing. I don't think Van Roten and Lewis make the squad, though. I don't think probably they, I don't not, but they'll, they'll be competition. But the biggest thing that I love about this draft is – what you guys touched on earlier is all these safeties and corners that, that we got coming in that are going to be used. Now think about this like that. I just started, I started thinking about it after the draft, I had to take a day and kind of step aside and just look at everything, kind of absorb it all. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, you know what? We probably have one of the fastest defenses in the, in the NFL right now. Especially in slot. Yeah. Especially in the but slot. All, all over the field. And literally reports are saying that CJ Mosley is chomping at the bit to get back on the field. I'm loving that. So I think it's, I think it's going to be, I I'm really happy. I gave the draft an A minus. I gave the draft an A minus after we signed our kicker. I really think we missed an opportunity on getting Borgalis, but, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at. A minus draft. It was a B plus until we signed uh, Chris Nugar from, from SMU, the kicker. So we got a kicker. He's pretty good. And uh, we'll just see how he deals with the bright lights of the NFL. It's interesting that you hold kicker in, in such high regard that it actually came to the draft stage because it is yeah. most definitely something that we've all kind of been pissed at the past couple of years. Actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good point, good what do you think, CJ? 
Well, just to piggyback off your, your point about the kicker, I do uh, kind of agree with you in a way. I, I wish that we would have either gotten been able to get our hands on McPherson or Jose Borgales, um, as there was such a drop-off uh, in kickers, believe it or not, for this draft. Now, that Borgales being said... So, I'm sorry, say again? Borgales went undrafted, too. He just decided to sign... Yeah, McPherson went, but Borgales went undrafted. He just decided to sign with Tampa Bay. So, you know, that's it's it's kind of interesting because you know a, a lot of people seem to be um, just not really valuing kicker when, believe it or not, you need something in there. Um, you, you need a guy who's going to be able to to come in there and to score points when your offense sputters. And especially be able to make sure that they're putting that ball through the uprights, and that was probably the big, the Jets' biggest bugaboo um, over the past couple of years. I mean, let's face it, we really haven't had an an automatic kicker since Nick Folk. And then you know, once Nick Folk was let to let to go walk out the door, we had Jason Myers. Jason Myers did very well when he was here, and then what? Over four million dollars, he ended up signing someplace else. So. You know, it's um having somebody who's going to be able, who's going to be as good as automatic as they can get. Um, that's going to be very important this training camp because there are going to be times when the Jets are going to be playing for field position, and you know you can't leave four, you can't leave points on the board, or can't leave points on the field, so to speak, when you know your 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 you know your your place kicker can't hit a thirty six yarder, or or you know hits a forty two yarder wide right. And those those excuses cannot be tolerated because, you know, that's how you lose football games in the NFL. You have to fight for every single yard. You have to fight for every single point that you can get your hands on. And not that you have to become reliant upon that, but there is an emphasis in the fact that you need to be able to get those points when those points have presented themselves, especially when your offense is struggling a little bit. And the Jets offense has done nothing but struggle for the past decade. So, I mean, for right now, um, just for the mere fact that Joe Douglas didn't sign like 10 kickers uh, at, at this point and had like, you know, his own mini competition of 300 going on at training camp, which I still believe it or not could possibly, uh, could, could, could actually potentially take place. You know, we, we could have a dude from like, you know, um, you know, Montana State Civic College University, you know, uh, some dude who like lives under a rock and doesn't even know he might, he might just come in and like just start slaying people and hitting 75 yarders with his eyes closed. So, you know, we never, we, we, we don't know. So there's still a lot of work that still needs to be done in regards to the kicking. Now, as far as the undrafted free agents that, that uh, we brought in, um, I do like uh, Tristan Hoga a lot. And also another, uh, a couple of other people that really haven't been, uh, Getting some uh, some play over here. Think of it this way: uh, uh, Tetan Saltis, uh, offensive tackle out of New Mexico, uh, out of New Mexico. Parker Ferguson, offensive tackle out of Air Force. Okay, Grant Hermans, offensive tackle out of Purdue. Okay, what's one of the things we've been talking about with the New York Jets? It's been one one of the biggest issues with, with the with the offensive line, the offensive line, the productivity of the offensive line, and the depth of the offensive line. Right. We all got to hold our collective breath, right? How many times did we all, as a fan base, collectively hold our breath whenever Mekhi Becton got hurt? Okay? We need to be able to stop doing that. Like, 
Makai Becton may be your star, but the dude who's backing him up should be just as nasty, if not even more nasty, than Makai Becton. Okay? So it's like, whoever they plug and play at any of those five offensive line positions, those guys need to be maulers. And they need to be able to go out there and they need to be able to inflict their will upon the defense or the defense that they're facing against because here's the thing, you know, uh, depth for sure, release Joe and now. Yes, I understand, Florencio, you are not a big Chuma Joga fan, okay? He probably will not make the roster. And he's if he does, <laughs> if he does, he's probably just going to be like glorified Waterboy 2.0. So don't Chumac worry. We've got undrafted guys. I think that are better than Chuga right now. Chuga, yeah. And CJ, if you're talking about undrafted guys, my man, my two favorite guys, Hamilcar Rashid Jr. Yes. That kid, he's that a yep. he's a one year wonder. But in that one year, the kid put up fourteen sacks and twenty two TFLs. He just destroyed in that year. The other one I love, Kenny Yabo. Kenny Yabo yes. is the second best receiver on Old Miss behind Elijah Moore and at tight end. You know, we talked about it. I liked our wide receivers, but at tight end, receiving options other than Herndon, we don't really have any. So Yabo, I think it definitely hell even pushed to start over Herndon. All right. So now, one of the questions that I, that, that I want to ask the panel, and again, we're gonna we're gonna start this off with Jude as we start moving into the second segment of the show. Um, was there anybody on this list? That kind of left you scratching your head a little bit. Like on the undrafted free agent list? Yes. Let's see. I mean, I pretty much like all the undrafted free agent signings. We, you know, all the guys we ended up signing. uh, No really head scratches for me. I mean, you know, we we signed a lot of offensive linemen, but then at the same time, we always need offensive line help. You can never really have too many Mm. linemen. Um, So I I like all all the undrafted free agent guys we signed. And then at the same time, not all of them are going to make the team. So it's like, I think we got some good players in Kenny Yaboa, Hamble Carbershee Jr., Isaiah Dunn, Kiss Nagar, Chris Nagar, all the, those are like my top four guys we signed. Those are the guys I really like. Um, but other than that, you know, I pretty much like everyone on the list. All right, Kevin, your thoughts? Um, Anybody on the yeah. undrafted free agent list that kind of left you scratching your head? Yeah, no, address all my questions to Jude, man, because he's answering for me tonight. Um, look, this is basically what it is that I think that um, the, the reason why I don't have a head scratcher is because in your undrafted free agency is where it is that you pick up the guys that really you're taking a swing on because they've demonstrated something that you really liked at some point in time or another. And all of these guys, and I do mean all, I'm, and I hope I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that. I think every one of those guys that came in or that will be coming in as an, un, as an undrafted uh, free agent has a skill set that we are going to be able to use or has been at a position of need or, or you know, that we could just use to infuse talent into this roster because we have been so devoid of depth for how many, you know, like that, that's also part of, you know, horrible drafting, right? When, you, when you're when your third, fourth, fifth round, sixth round pick, when none of those guys are ever on the team after training camp, you know, that you're not building depth. You're not having guys that are just going to be that second or third string guy or, or those guys that are on special teams. And, and this, this, this is a kind of a testament to our coaching in special teams because we've actually had some pretty good special teams. We just haven't had a, a talented roster, right? So imagine now with the level of special teams coaching that we've had, now we get all of these ridiculously athletic guys, long, fast guys, you know, big guys that can move, big guys that quick twitch, a lot of these guys are captains and leaders or have been on their respective teams. 
and they know what it means to work. They know what it means to, to re respect and love to be on the special team. And then take that and translate that into everything else that uh, Robert Sala and his, his staff have been at. I don't have no head scratches, man. I'm just excited to see right now. I'm just going to keep it real. I, I've been saying this, and I'll wrap this up. Just This is a hell of a time to be a Jets fan, guys. It's a hell of a time to be a Jets fan. All right. So, Fireball. I'm sure you probably have some stuff you want to get off your chest. Go for it. Uh, Kev, you, you and me are like literally on the same page, bro. Like you, like I was, we must be vibing. I don't know what it is, but I told you I, it is. We got this, man. We got it linked up because I was thinking the same thing. I mean, it's an undrafted free agent list. You talk about guys in the later round, you know. Listen, what did I tell on. you guys about sharing joints before the show? <laughs> all right. And, and, and most of all, why wasn't any sent this way? All right. Maybe I'll help you finally get over, get over this COVID garbage I got. Cough all that shit up. It's funny. So, but no, all right, it's a, I mean, it's a good list. And again, you can't. Anyone who hates a free agent, an undrafted free agent signing, like that doesn't doesn't make sense. Like even a late round guy, like you know, Joe hits in the sixth and fifth round, which I think he did. I think he really, really freaking did. But with undrafted guys, I mean, took a bunch of old linemen. I've always felt like I said last year with Clark, you know, offensive lineman is one of those few positions that still takes time to develop. You don't want to throw a guy out there immediately. They develop bad technique, bad form. They lose their confidence. That's why guys like Vera Tucker, guys, you know that. Panay Sewell, guys that are NFL ready, go really high. They go that high for a reason. So, yeah, you know, I think took a bunch of offensive linemen. See what that happens. I've mentioned, you know, I like uh, Rashad and uh, Yebo. But, yeah, I mean, you can't, can't be mad. <laughs> yeah, All right. We, so We have guys that I think are probably going to surprise. It's going to be an interesting uh, preseason. Right? All right, Jimmy. You're nodding your head over there. There's probably something you're thinking of. <laughs> I have a I have a head scratcher actually on this free agent list, and that's uh, no disrespect, my friend, but it's a, it's going to head over to Michael Glomfor, uh, defensive tackle out of Michigan and Rutgers. Okay, uh, fifth year senior. He's got like I, I like that he has that experience, but really he's only played. 28 games. I mean, I, I say only, but out of five years, you know, especially Michigan with championship games and stuff like that, you would think that'd be more. Is um, it because of injury? I don't see anything injury related on it. It was just rotational. Yeah. And, and I get that. Yeah, Joe's, Joe has made it very clear that the offensive and defensive lines are both and, and again, like like Harrison said, you know, it's like you can't really be mad. I mean, yeah. the kid's gonna get like a hundred grand this year. You know, it's not like he's a cap hit. It's not like you know. I mean, I, I'm just seeing production. Like in five years, he's got three and a half sacks. Uh, he's only got eight and a half tackles for loss in five years. He's got 52 tackles in five years. So it's just it's just kind of a that's a head scratcher for me, especially after you draft one at pick two Oh seven. I don't, I don't necessarily think that I would have, first of all, that's, that was another head scratcher that two Oh seven pick. I just, you know, don't think we needed that a defensive tackle at that point, but um, don't sleep on Marshall, bro. 
Uh, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm just saying that I number, I felt number, like that could have gone somewhere else. Number but. two, relative athletic, like oh, he's totally, a, totally. He's a, like I'm, be, I'm happy better athlete, he's a better athlete uh, than Quinn, right? Hey, man, I, I, I love every pick. I I could literally make you want to like get psyched for every single pick. Joe no, Douglas freaking killed it. It was it was amazing. I'm glad he's a Jet. I'm just saying that I felt we had uses for other positions. At that Wasn't Trey moment. Smith still available there too? He was. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know he has that's, a blood clots and everything, but still, it's a shot you got to take. I mean, that's, it's the sixth round. Most yeah, sixth rounders my, don't even make the team anyway. So. Exactly, and that's my point. Is like, I'm not, I'm not mad at the picks. I don't hate the pick. It's just like you. This, the question was specifically, is there a head scratcher? And that was just a head scratcher for me. I'm just, I'm, I, I like that he's a Jet, and I think he can actually make the 53 man. It's just. It adds rotation to our defensive line, which is which Sala is huge on. He's big on rotating players out, keeping them fresh for sixty full minutes rather than gassing everybody out. You know, I get that. You would have um, taken. You would have taken the kicker. Though. I would have taken Four Gallus one hundred. That's gonna. We went undrafted, so Joe just had I guess convinced him. But I guess you know he he figures Tom Brady maybe they're gonna win another Super Bowl, so he's like, I want a ring. <laughs> yeah. yeah well. Look, look, this is this is this is an interesting uh, kind of a, a setup for us right now, right, guys? Because I mean, I think I think we all have kind of touched upon it at some point. We really have high ex- high expectations for what it is that we are going to, you know, see on the field coming up. And you know, Jim, when we were going back with with DJ uh, BNM um, when he was here about the record, right, mm-hmm. um, and saying that you know, 10, 10 wins shouldn't really be far-fetched when you really kind of look at it in terms of we're going to have a brand new offense. Nobody has film on it. We're probably going to catch a lot of people off guard. We're probably going to kick a lot of ass early that people weren't expecting us to. I think our defense, if it works out just the way that we expect it to, there's going to be like a, a white walker type of a wave coming at every quarterback because of what our front four looks like. And even not just those four, but the guys behind them and then the linebackers. And then, you know, so I'm thinking – We've got safety blitzes that, that are going to look pretty disgusting based on the guys that we brought in. And all we do need really is those guys on the outside to, to, to be functional for at least a couple of seconds. And, and I think we're in good shape. But exactly. the reality is, right, everybody's looking at this team saying, oh, yeah, six wins. And I think I, I think six wins would be a disappointment. I, I totally agree. I think we'll win 11. Well, I mean, I, I would, I, I have high expectations and I hope for big things, especially Kev, you make a good point, you know, with catching people off guard. It's the first time LaFleur is using this system. I mean, it's based off the Shanahan system. So I imagine people have, you know, some variation of what's going to be going on. But at the same time, I mean, you know, I'm reeling it in the other direction. We are having a rookie quarterback behind the helm. It is our first, you know, head coach's first year as head coach, our offensive coordinator's first year. So I mean, I would love 10, 11 wins, but I'm thinking it's probably going to be in this six to eight range. And honestly, I feel like, and especially with a rookie quarterback, you know, building this team, I think everything's going in the right direction. It's happening the right way. We can't turn on it. You know, we can't be like, they're a disappointment and we we hate it, like, because they're not doing great initially. I hope they do great, but I mean, I would say, honestly, anything more than six wins and I would be good with the season. Like well, the 76ers trust the process. Yeah, right. You know, Which I'd like never said before, man. Do you have a, do you have a, you have a kind of an idea of what you think? I mean, do you have a number? Uh, 
like, depending on how the schedule goes, like, I mean, I'm thinking more of like a seven, eight win. You know, this roster, it isn't the best in the world, but it, it is, it does have some talent on it. So I think we're going to get more wins than some people think we are. I mean, maybe even 11, 10 wins, like Jimmy said. But I'm thinking more so in the six to eight, seven to eight range. More so what I'm feeling. You remember, uh, and I brought this to CJ's attention, we were talking about how first year head coaches. Uh, have fared, um, you really know, well. on the Jets, right? Well, yeah, always, yeah. always. I think Gase was like the first one in out of like ten to never get a winning record. All right, dude, that's a nope. to say his name. Okay, but anyways, let's. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Kev, don't discount what you said, bro. I mean, especially in the first couple of games, they could the uniqueness of the system could take people by storm. Ugh. If Zach Wilson plays hot, the talent yeah. is around him. Yeah, they could win a couple of games really quick in the beginning of the season, exactly. and that dude, that would get fans crazy. You had me thinking also that they may have seen this offense, but they haven't seen it with these players, right? Mm-hmm. Let, me, these exactly. Let me ask you this, because this is the biggest thing that people are sleeping on, I think. We understand it, but I don't think it's given the, the, the proper credit that it's due. If you put this coaching staff on last year's team, what do you think the win total would have been? Not as promising as what this team can do. More than two. Right, but what I'm saying – exactly, Jude. So I'm thinking this team with the, with that coaching staff could have won four or five. five games. We almost five beat games. the Raiders. We were almost I would, three. I would, I would say five close. games. I would say so. Five wins. So, okay, so that, like a g- little bit of a general consensus. So five wins with this coaching staff on a previous roster that we have the number one – now we have the number one most improved wide receiver room in the NFL. We have – uh, a fully anchored offensive line. That left side is going to be elite. You're talking perennial pro bowlers on the left side. And I see you in the, in the comments there, Scott Cleese, someone using their head instead of their heart. Uh, this is my, this is my heart and my head having a powwow. Right. Together. An agreement right here. Now the most improved, uh, the most improved wide receiver room, the anchored offensive line. You have the coaching staff that is leagues and miles better than what we had before we have a collaborative effort with the front office and the coaching staff for the first time in a decade even bef- even more than that because rex kind of just did his own thing regardless of what they you know and we have all of that going for us also because we had the toughest strength of schedule last season it's flipping this year the nfl specifically scheduling the strength of schedule is going to be far lower than what we had before. So if you think that the coaching staff with with no weapons last year, Frank Gore running the ball, he probably would have ran the ball a third of as much as he did under Sala, as, as he did under the previous guy. So if you think five wins on that previous roster, easier schedule, objectively better quarterback, objectively better offensive line, objectively better wide receivers, objectively better running game. Objectively better everything. Objectively yes. better, ob- objectively better front seven on defense. We have you. There is nowhere to go for but up for the defensive secondary. So we have an objectively better secondary. I'm, I'm not. I'm. It's just not out of the question, man. It's not out of the question to say, 10, 11 wins. <laughs> Look, really gonna surprise I, a lot of people. I, I, think, I think so, and that, and that's why I'm, I, I, I'm kind of right behind you, Jim, and saying that. Ten wins is uh, ten wins should be 
that should be functionally possible for us, yeah. right? Just, just if, uh, all, all things being what it is that they are, ten wins. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that that is, is and, and I think that obviously everybody has tempered expectations because it is the Jets, right? Now, now, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that it's ten wins or bust for me. I'm not no, saying that's, yeah, like that's, that's, I'm not saying that. Like if we if we ended up if we ended up with six, I'm, I'm not going to say six, six, like you, Kevin, I'm going to be disappointed. But if we ended up with seven, eight, maybe nine, I'm going to be okay because that shows that the team is headed in the right direction. That is, that is giving solid credit to Zach Wilson and showing that he is the guy to win that many on as a rookie with a rookie coaching staff. But what all I'm saying is, is given all of those factors, if you roll, if you roll that in, I'm not going to say everybody's a failure. This coaching staff is a bust if we don't win double digits. I'm just saying that I think we're capable of it. And and that's just kind of where I'm at. I mean, I feel you, bro. Yeah. I feel you. I mean, if you think about it, literally, I tweeted it out earlier. You think of every position, like feel free. Think of any position that the Jets were weak in back in March. In Joe Douglas's last free agency and his last draft, he has literally addressed all of them. Maybe it was a small fix or a big fix, but he's literally addressed everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, name just one position that, you know, he didn't address within free agency in the draft. That was a problem for the Jets. Yeah. And that's, that's my point. And, and they, I can definitely say there are, they're objectively better at those positions. And that's not using my heart. That is looking at what they are as a player it's not just going by a stat line or anything like that. Yes, they can. Players can bust. Players may mentally not be able to handle it. But I've seen the interviews. I've seen all of it, right? I've seen, you know, some of the Zoom calls and things of that nature. Like, these are smart players that earn captain spots on their teams. These Half the people we, start, we drafted were starters either regularly or – more than half the time at their schools. So I know that it's, I know that it's not like it's kind of a reach before they even play it down. I get that. And I'm always going to be optimistic, but if you look at the actual data and you speak to the, and you speak to the player, it's just the, the, you can't, there's no denying that this roster is objectively better way like, and I'm talking, it's not even close. It's way better. So I'm, I'm seeing in the comments how, um, and, and I'm trying to, what is this, Billy the Kid? Billy Kid said that uh, double digit wins is a reach due to division competition, you know, barring injuries. And, and I think that that, sure. that in itself is, a, is, is kind of a realistic um, way to look at it. But I would also say on, on the flip side to that, um, the AFC East, and we've discussed this many times, the AFC East is going to be one of the best divisions in all of pro football within mm-hmm. the next two or three seasons here, right? So um, if we cannot split with any of these teams, we don't deserve uh, to be in any conversations that, that you know, would, would be had around one of the better teams in the league. Thank you. Um, we, 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 we really, and I mean, as of right now, we're, we're, we, we're getting lapped a little bit by Miami. Um, Buffalo was already kind of ahead of the game, and and we might want to sleep on New England just because they had a bad season last year. But I think there's going to be one of them, you know, one of the smelling salt moments here in a minute when you realize that, you know, after they get a lot of their players back and some of the moves that they made this offseason, the Patriots are no slouch either. And and the the the, the reality is is that if we do not 
turn this corner, then yeah, quite possibly we're going to be looking at this at the basement of the AFC again. Yep. And if that if that happens, then yeah, we don't deserve it. But um, I, I think that we have talent enough, we have coaching enough to split with these teams. I mean, we always play Buffalo uh, pretty hard, and I'm just going to keep it real. I, I have a really hard time giving Buffalo any respect. So there's that also. Please excuse me. Um, Billy, uh, Billy is a Buffalo fan. By yeah, the way. well. Uh, one of my friends. Well, yeah, that maybe that makes sense, but <laughs> I, I I think that the reality is is that he does make a great point. If we can't split with these teams in the division, he's right. We're uh you know we're we're not going to deserve uh, coming out of AFC East. And, I actually and did even, have even, a even, even wild card is difficult. Even wild card. I actually did have a splitting with Buffalo and New England in my assessment of 10, 11 wins. I I, I agree with that. I, I, well, I, I, to be honest, I'm, I think I think we I want to jump into this for a second here. So um, one of the things that really, you know, I, I know a lot of people are so, like, carried away with looking at this schedule and like, oh, we could get five or six wins, we could get 10, 11 wins. I saw something on ESPN this morning that the projected win total is like 5.3 wins or, or something. It's like one of the lowest win, win projective totals and so on. Look, it is way too early to project anything about anything at this point. I want everyone to remember something, and I want you to burn this into your brains. And that's every single person who's in the comments and every person on this panel. The New York Jets are a 2-14 and football team. There is no amount of Ajax that I could pull out from underneath my sink that will scrub that 2-14 and stink off. None. Zero. Nada. Okay? I don't care how much bleach. You could stand there in the middle of the street and get two gallons of bleach and go like this to yourself. Okay? <laughs> We are still a 2-14 and 14 football team. And we are not going to be better than a 2-14 and 14 football team until we take the field week one. So enough with the 10-win projected, 8-win projected, this, that, and the third. We don't know. We don't know what New York Jets football team is going to take the field week one when we kick off. We just don't know. We don't know what the 53-man roster is going to look like. Okay, and in a way, you know, I kind of agree with Scott Cleesby here. I mean, yes, we did add significant talent to this team, but you know what? Talent on paper doesn't equate talent on the field, because we've taken a look over the past couple of years, and the Jets have been a talent, a talented team on paper, and easily should have won nine, ten, eleven games. And you know what? We went out and we we shit the bed. We can't allow ourselves to do that. Don't get caught up into that hype. Let the process work itself the way it's, that it's supposed to work itself. Let's stop being the atypical fan and putting the cart before the horse and break our own arms, pat, patting ourselves on the back when we haven't even had a training camp yet. All right? We just need to take a look at the talent that's on the field, observe what's going on there, give Salah the opportunity to put the pieces of the puzzle together, and let's go from there. For me... Go 500 in your division. If you can go 500 in your division and you can smack around Buffalo and you can smack around New England and you can smack around Miami, you split with them, I don't care what the win-loss record looks like at the end of the year next year. Because if you can go 500 in one of the toughest divisions in football, then you're turning the corner. Because then it doesn't matter when you play the Baltimores. It doesn't matter when you play the Pittsburghs. It doesn't matter when you play the Kansas Cities. You know why? 
Because you're going to be able to hang with them the same way you can hang with people in your own division. I mean, am I right or am I wrong? Beat those teams. Right. I mean, I agree with you because last season I was really expecting the New York Jets to have a 10-9 win season. Yeah, I was too, Jude. I picked the Jets last year to go 10-6, and and, and for the reasons being was because that despite the fact that COVID had truncated everything, I felt that at the early part of the, of the schedule, the Jets could catch people napping, provided that they were prepared. And you want to know something? Adam Gase happened to this team. <laughs> That's what happened. Okay? And because Adam Gase happened to this team, and we learned what a, what, what a real piece of garbage he really was as a head coach, that's when all the warts came out. There was nothing good on that team next year, or, or, or last year. Nothing. Nothing. So, except for Scott Cleesby's bank account. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. <laughs> Bitten against, against us all season. <laughs> yeah. But CJ, I would agree with you, man. You know, you're, you're 100% right when you say you don't know yet. You don't know until it's on the field, the product is put together. You see how the team goes, the cohesion goes together. Right. But... At the same time, I mean, I, I feel like, you know, I've been saying for a long time that Joe Douglas is the guy. He is the guy to get the talent. The question is, do you have the coach to be able to make that talent come about? And that's why I think it is a little unfair, though, to say it is a 2-14 and 14 team because it is a new coach. It is a new system. You know what I mean? Like, it's not the same people. It is a new head coach, a new philosophy, new everything, new offensive coordinator, deep, literally everything. So, I mean, I agree we have to wait to see what's going to happen, but – I mean, we're hoping that this is going to be the right direction with these guys. We haven't seen it yet. It's true, but the right things are being said. The right processes are being done. So. Go ahead. No, no, that's so that's it. Yeah. (laughs) We just got to wait to see. Yeah. But I think it's not the same team. I think, you know, we don't know what's going to happen yet, but it's not the same team. That's basically what I'm saying. That that, that kind of is is the the, the one, I think, main point. And dude, I'm going to let you jump in in just a second, but this is, this was difficult for me because we, we spent a lot of time going into last season saying that the talent was there, the talent was there, the talent was there, but then we saw what the leadership void can do to something like that, right? And then we started to have the opt-outs and all of that. And, uh, you know, some of the guys that opted out were guys that we were really relying on setting a tone for us. Those guys are going to be coming back. Not only that, but now again, we have the change in leadership and, the, and that, that all gas, no brakes. I, I wish I would have worn mm-hmm. my t-shirt today, but I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about huge differences in where it is that we were then and where it is that we are now. And that to me is, is you know, obviously again, Harrison makes a great point. There's really no way to tell until it actually happens, right? But if again, if we're looking at these things, you know, objectively, 10 wins kind of should be the goal, right? I'm just that's that's just that's how I'm looking at it. That that should be the goal, even even with all of the you know the, the questions about what you got. What do you got, dude? Because it's like last season, I've I've said it before, but it's just like I was so worked on. I was like this nine and seven, ten and sixteen. I, mean, I really thought Rashad Perryman was going to be it because of that end of the year 2019 you know campaign he had, and it's just like we the production we put out week one or even the scrimmage before the season happened, I just my heart sank I was just like our practice team beat us like that to me I was trying to not to lose hope at that point but it was just like I don't know if we're going to be as good as I'm thinking and everyone else was thinking 
And so, you know, what happened and appeared on the field, we ended up going two and 14. So I agree, you know, you can't, you know, overestimate, say that a team's going to get 10 or nine wins whenever we actually don't know what's going to happen because it hasn't, you know, appeared on the field yet. But, yeah. It'll be exciting, man. Like, uh, look, I'll, I'll, I'll stop talking, and my face is starting to swell up a little bit, so excuse me, but uh, um, I, I, said, I said it before, and, and, and I think this is going to be basically my theme for the rest of this offseason and going into camp. It is an awesome time to be a Jets fan, guys. Like, Jude, I, I'm, 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 I'm sure you don't feel the pain like maybe some of us Greybeards do because we've been watching this nonsense. Yeah. You know, yeah. going on for as long as we have, but the fact of the matter is, is that you've been through basically all of the the last bit of nastiness, right? And now you're gonna see what it really looks like when when we when we got to watch, you know, Vinny and, and those guys go to the AFC Championship. When we when we got to get Lavernius and, and Santana Moss, and you know, we had Curtis Martin, and we had you know, uh, Chad Pennington, and those guys were playing good ball, and we really had things to look forward to. Like we haven't always been, you know, a, a completely trash organization. We've had spots in between not to mention the fact that we we are you know a championship franchise because we we, we've had the you know um, championship seasons in our in our history but this right now this time right now more than any of those other times i feel like i'm watching it take place right like i'm seeing it unfold like all those other times like oh man you know we might be all right this I'm looking at like yo, we're gonna be pretty damn good if, if this continues to shake out. We're gonna be man, it's gonna ooh, I can't wait. So yeah, my, my Jets merch is getting ready to get uh getting ready to get updated. I'm about to start buying some of this stuff. But Kev, you make a good point, man. Especially with Jude being here, maybe think about it. Like the guys you just mentioned, that was my childhood, bro. Like I grew up with great jet play. I grew up the years of Parcells with Chad Pennington, Curtis Martin. Cotchery, Coles, Moss, all of it, all of that. It was great. And I look at guys like Jude and I realize, man, you guys, you guys grew up through some jet shit. Right. And that just sucks. Like, like I, I realized that. Like, like you're even too young to kind of remember the Sanchez years. Right, right. Like, like I, I started yeah. watching football, Jets football, 2015. I like oh, oh really? At least you got that year with Fitz. I got that. At least you got that great year. And then all after right. that, I'm like. Was, yeah, it was I like was the so Hindenburg. Bro, like, I realized that now. My heart's bleeding for like the kids. I didn't even think of that. Like I had those memories of like Pennington. Listen, man. you don't know. You people don't know what pain is. Okay, <laughs> you, you people don't, don't know, know what pain like, is. Don't 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 talk to me. All right, live <laughs> through live through Rich Kotite. Okay, live through live through Bruce Costley. Okay, live through Joe Walton. Okay, you want me to go and have a conversation with, with, with Bobby Jackson, how basically Joe Walton cost him his career uh, during a friggin' preseason game that he wasn't even supposed to play in? Uh, you want to go there? Yeah, we'll talk about that. I, I thought Bryce Petty was bad. Yeah, I, no. I love it when CJ gets to interview. <laughs> you don't know. Pain and suffering. Uh, Bro, I love it. You look like De Niro. You look like De Niro. I love it. I, I literally just said right. oh, I didn't hear it. My uh, bad. I didn't hear this it. Is, this is right. Scott Gillespie. Scott Gillespie. I always love it when he drops his comment here. Drink all of that Kool-Aid and be pissed off at the end of the year. Yeah. It's the truth. Yeah. And, and like gallons and gallons and gallons of Kool-Aid, like. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll never, I'll, I'll never, I, I've never once not predicted a double-digit win season for my Jets, and I never will predict a lower than double-digit win season for my Jets. I won't well, do optimism is a good thing, man. <laughs> Bryce it, Petty man. went to high school with my daughter. He couldn't win in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Cleesby, Bryce, man. Oh, Bryce he's Petty's on fire. He's a great example of, if you look at his numbers, statistically, he had like one of the best touchdown interception ratios in college football history. Like he's the best example of thinking a system quarterback can be more than he is. Like he's the best, one of the best examples of that. Look, if, if we look at all of the little past quarterbacks that we have, because Gino, and I mean, y'all, y'all, I, I get lambasted for even mentioning Gino's name, but Gino was one of the best college quarterbacks in in what in recent history, right? I mean, how many Man. touchdowns did them guys score? Like him and Trayvon Austin. I mean, they were scoring every forty five seconds. It seemed like it, it just was ridiculous. Right. They also game. ran air raid though at uh, at, yeah. at 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 uh, where where he was at. He he was West at Georgia Virginia. Tech, wasn't he? Yeah, he was at West Virginia. West Virginia. West, West Virginia. West, West, they were yeah, running West, air raid, which which at that point nobody could stop. So. You know, I mean, when, you're trying to you're trying to fit a, a, a square peg in a round hole, basically, right? By having him come here and be under Tony Sperano, I see. Well, Tony Sperano, he was under Chan Gailey for a little bit. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Chan ever really had time with him. I think Marty Marty Morningwig probably messed him up uh, more more than what it is that you know. He, I can't he, even he, think of how many careers Marty Morningwig actually uh, actually ruined. With his uh, with with his football philosophy, and 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 all of that falls on Rex, man. All of that falls on Rex because Rex was the guy bringing those 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 nothing but people in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Twenty eleven through twenty fourteen, the gutting of the roster. Some of the worst off seasons in Jets football history, man. Horrible. It's right, right 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 after two AFC East championships. Yeah, uh, right back runs. Come on, man. That's why, Kev. You talk about Geno, man. He just I. I always hated it because, like, in that draft, bro, I thought Mark could be the guy. I We saw back in 09 and 2010 yeah. what he could do. He's not going to be the end-all, be-all. He's not going to be the guy that's going to, you know, win it on his own. But if you put talent around him, he'll show. He proved that. And they had talented teams. They let the talent <laughs> erode in 2012, and it just sucked. So I'm like, in, in 2013, what I wanted, I still remember it because it pissed me off. I wanted Eddie Lacy with that pick. I was like, <laughs> man, I was like, man. Get him wow. that beast running back. Wow, yeah. Get him a bull. Like yeah. I wanted to build around Mark, and then they took yeah. Gino, and I didn't like him to begin with. That just so I was I was always biased against Gino. Like I felt like How that made. I, I I thought I thought Gino got got a really you know got a really raw deal here. But, but, but I, I'll say that specifically. Fairly high NFL draft pick and owe one of your teammates like what six hundred bucks. Oh, yeah. how? Look, oh, yeah. I'm telling you right now. Like he could have just showed up to the camp or something. Like, this, this, look, there's there's a lot of different stories behind that. I'm gonna tell you right now. I don't think any one of us know the answer to it. But yeah, the only truth we know is I can't punched him out. The fact, the fact <laughs> of the matter. That's Wait, the I got another. I got another doozy here. Kevin, he never lost his job on the field. He lost it in the locker room. That was that was. <laughs> and that's a place quarterbacks and coaches can lose a job. And then and then he lost it on the field because he's a trash panda. <laughs> I'm with you, Jimmy. Yeah, I would. I'm. I mean, nothing. So sorry, Kev. Just like I mean, I just. Ugh. I never I, liked Gino to begin with. I felt I, like I, Sanchez should have been the guy. I never said that Gino was a good quarterback. I thought that he didn't have enough. <laughs> so, all right, really quick, I want to get this comment on here. Okay, Scott Cleesby again with some more broadcast gold for this evening. Joe sold his soul. That's that's why we don't win. Joe has to die to break the curse. 
I'm not. I'm not even going to tell you that I've said that a couple times. Or I'm just going to. I'm going to shrink into the background. I'm going to do my little Homer Simpson into the distance on that one. <laughs> oh, that's like the same with who? Who was the team that I can't remember? Was it the Cubs that brought like the llama or something? What was the story again? The donkey or something like that? Right? Remember? They had that yeah, curse. Yeah, they like like a goat or something. Some it was something like that. It was like it was back in yeah. like the early 1900s, and somebody I think it was the Cubs. Somebody, yeah, I think it was the Cubs. Ooh. Somebody showed up to the game with like a barnyard animal, and it was like a gypsy or some shit. <laughs> something like that. It's a crazy story. And like they made him leave, and he's like, "No, my animal is my friend. You can't make him go." Speedy Petey in the chat. It was a win. Billy Goat. Something like that. 1945. It happened. Leave it to Speedy to know that. Right, right. <laughs> it was something that I remember hearing about that. That's why he gets paid the big bucks, ladies and gentlemen. All right, yeah. so final question for the night uh, as we're starting to come up against it. Um, really quick, we'll go around the room. This time we're going to go in reverse order. Uh, Jimmy, we'll start with you, then Fireball, then Kevin, and then we'll finish it up with our guest, Mr. Jude Jets. And uh, it, it it's time to take us home. Uh Realistic, realistically, expectation for the New York Jets next season right now is they're currently constructed. Now, mind you, we are going to be having this conversation several times probably over the next few weeks. And as we continue to go into training camp and as preseason starts, we still we still have some time. Plus, also keep in mind, there's also people that are getting released, people that are getting cut. So there are still plenty of people that could be added to this roster that could be subtracted to this roster. Okay, so Jimmy, talk to me. Realistic expectation for week one, 2021 New York Jets. What are you thinking? Uh, Week one, I'm seeing, um, I want to see, you know what, to be honest, I want to see some mistakes. I want to see them. Because if we're looking at that, that's going to be a good, a good benchmark. If there's some some mistakes early, and that's going to be a good benchmark if we to see some progression. So that's my expectations for the Jets Week One. Um, I also wanted to say, as far as a as far as an expectation, a lot of people have been really sleeping on uh, Lamichael Pirine in that running back room, and I got to tell you that I think everybody has it wrong. I think that, I think that, I mean, Pirine is a Joe Douglas draft pick from last year. I really think that Pirine is going to be on the roster and that it's going to come down to Josh Adams and uh, Ty Johnson fighting out for a number three spot or number four spot uh, behind Coleman. So I'm thinking Coleman, Pirine, Michael Carter, and then one or the other of Adams or, Johnson so um, that would be an expectation of mine is show me the young guys at running back why we drafted them in those in those mid premium rounds you know Um, I want to see some I just want to see some progression I want to see I want to see how Wilson responds to something going wrong I want to see how Elijah Vera Tucker responds to the speed of the game at guard so those are my realistic expectations. I I think depending on depending on who the play is on who we play week one, um, I'm looking at a week one win. All right, fireball, get to spitting. Let's do it, baby. So 
the most important word I feel like when you look at the New York Jets right now is volatile. There's any direction this team can possibly go. So we mentioned before, you know, with high expectations, is I think Joe Douglas killed it in the draft, killed it in free agency, put together an amazing team. I think on paper and in ability, this team is amazing and has a ton of potential. We don't know what it's going to do yet. I mean, I think Robert Sala has what it takes. We've heard the right things. We feel like it's going to be there, but we don't know. Like Chris, like CJ said, we honestly really don't know. So I think the honest expectations should be that as long as it doesn't run off the rails and get really, really bad, that fans should trust the process, trust that it's a rookie quarterback. And like Jimmy said, look for that progression. Look for things to get better. Look for mistakes to be corrected. Things we didn't see before, you know, with Gaze, I couldn't say it better. You know, I said it all season. I'd never seen a man who tries to fit a round peg into a square hole harder or with more volition than Adam Gaze. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. So... <laughs> That's what we want to see: progression, ability to change, adapt. And I pointed out, you know, so, with the roster. Was that itself, before or after he tried to use the perpendicular post? <laughs> Man, yeah. it's it's yeah. <laughs> but I point out too, you know, when you look at the players he took, we point out the versatility: safeties to play linebacker, safeties to play slot cornerback, but also the different archetypes he's taking. Like when he took Michael Carter at corner, he said, "I want you because of your man coverage ability." That's what Robert Sala said to him. But we're running a zone scheme. The point is, we're not just running one thing. Sal's not running out with his zone every play. This is going to be a versatile defense, a versatile offense. It's going to adjust. It's going to adapt. It's going to be the way football should be. So like Jimmy said, we just have to see that progression and trust the process. All right. Spotty. Uh, you know what? This is kind of simple for me, to be honest with you. Um, Jim made a point about seeing mistakes. I, I think what I want to see, I want to see you in almost every position. I want to see guys that are out on the field that haven't been here three, four years. You know what I'm saying? I want I want to see young guys on the offensive line. I want to see young guys, you know, in our defensive backfield. I want to see young linebackers flying around. I want to see all of our defensive linemen, the guys who have been here doing it and been making it pop. I want to see them guys out there flying. But what I want to see, I want to see new. I want to see new thought process. I want to see new energy. I want to see new plays. I want to see new everything. And I mean, Obviously, with the changing of the coaching staff and all of that, the expectation is that our, our fundamentals will look different, right? Our foundation will look different. But what I really want is a, I want a different attitude, man. Like, to me, that's why you bring in a guy like Salah. That's why you bring in, you know, a guy that needs to get that uh, guy. You know what I'm saying? Because you want to have that type, of, that, that type of action on the field. You want, you know, your guys hungry. You want helmets flying. You want to, you know, you want to hear hitting you know what i'm saying you want to hear it and you don't want to hear being hit like what it is that we were listening to you know every time frank gore stuck his head for, for two and a half yards in the, in the cloud of oh my god christ that this <sighs> right right so look my expectation or, or excuse me what i'm hoping to see we'll just put it that way i'm hoping to see a lot of new names man i really am i'm hoping to, I'm, I'm hoping to see what vera tucker actually can can get from being next to uh next to makai i'm looking to see you know, what other offensive linemen shake themselves out so that we don't necessarily have to continue to pay Connor McGovern 12 and 13 million to maybe kind of be the guy, but maybe not. You know, I want to—I don't want to see Alex Lewis. I don't want to see uh, Ben Roten out there. I want to see young guys. I want to see Cam Clark doing his thing because I have been continuously saying since we drafted him, he was the future of, of, of either one of those interior guard positions, right? Because, I mean, I, I, I thought he was going to be next to Beckton, but now, you know, Vera Tucker's here, you know, 
he's just he could be just as good on the other side. So um, I'm just looking for new man. You know, as as an old head and somebody that's been here and seen all the trash and all the nonsense, um, and then recognizing, I think that everybody's kind of touched on the points. Harrison has done it a, a, a few times. That has really kind of piqued my ears. But what we're what we're expecting right now, I don't want us to see what we're expecting. I want us to be completely unexpected. I want it to be different. Just that. Yep. All right, Jude, take it away. Personally, me, I want to see, like, Jets, Jaguars week one, and I just want to see us beat Jacksonville or just an easy team week one and just show the media that we are not what we were in the past, that we are a new team led by new people with a new, you know, overall team and that we are not hot garbage like we used to be. We are the New York are a good football team. We are representing New York in the right way. So I just really want to see the Jets have a good game week one. I want to see us improve from our mistakes in, in that two and four season last year. I just want to see the New York Jets win. And, you know, I, you know, I want to see the rookies and I want to see everyone, you know, playing well football. But personally, me, I just want to have a beat down week one, hopefully against Jacksonville, showing us that Trevor Lawrence was not the right pick at two and it was Zach Wilson and that he was a better quarterback in this class. So I just want to win week one against a, hopefully an easy opponent, maybe even a tr- strong opponent and just everyone that we are a new version of the New York Jets and we are not what we used to be. Love it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's, uh, I pretty much could echo everybody's sentiment here on the on the panel, but I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. Real, Realistically, what I want to see is I want to see good competitive football for 60 minutes. And one of the things that I want to see is I want – those players that are going to take the field to be proud to wear the New York Jets uniform and to make the fans proud by going out there and giving 110%. I want them to go out and to smack some people in the face, even in a, even in a loss. Okay, show some pride. Show some pride to be a New York Jet. Show some pride to go out there and to represent New York City. Show some pride to represent the New York Jets fan base and make people understand that this is not the same old Jets anymore. And the only way that people are going to shed the same old Jets monicum is by going out there and winning. Winning is the ultimate deodorant. And the problem is, is that it doesn't matter who you go out and acquire in free agency. It doesn't matter who you draft. It doesn't matter who you pick up off the waiver wire. But if they can't come in here and they can't perform and we can't put wins on the board and we can't help our own cause and stop beating ourselves like we've done in the past, then same old Jets is going to continue to ring down from the from the rafters, no matter how much we like it or, or we don't like it. So at the end of the day, the New York Jets' destiny is in their own hands. So us as fans, the best thing that we could do is take a step back and enjoy the show. Plain and simple. Because hopefully, if Robert Sala does what he was brought in here to do, and Joe Douglas continues to do what he was brought in here, then maybe we might... May, we might not be far off from turning the corner. Now, again, that might sound a little, a little bit more optimistic than what I'm, what I'm used to. But at the end of the day, when I'm not going into this season with any type of expectation. I don't care about wins and loss record. What I want to see is I want to see 60 minutes of competitive football week in and week out. I want a team that's going to compete from the starting gun to the ending gun. And not the garbage that we watched last year. As I said this before, the Jets are a 2-14 and 14 football team. And until we kick off 
And until the scoreboard hits 0-0 and we're in the, we're in the midst of the new regular season, the Jets are going to be a 2-14 football team. And people are going to look at us with the side eye <coughs> and make their little comments like Pro Football Focus and ESPN and everybody else who wants to drop their little comments about how the Jets stink and so on and so forth. It's fine. You know how the Jets are going to be able to wash off that stink? It's not by standing in the middle of the street with a couple of gallons of bleach and pouring it on yourself. Okay, it's not going underneath the sink and grabbing the Ajax and scrubbing it till your skin starts to bleed. Okay, the only way for the stink of being a loser to come off is to go out there and to win. Get the W by any means necessary. Plain and simple. That's what yeah, being a New York Jets all that's what being a Jets all about. That's what being a fan should be about. Be about the wins, be about the losses, and just don't be a jackass. I, I think uh, with the mindset change of us not or no longer accepting mediocrity. I think that as a as a fan base, that is something that we're gonna have to kind of turn the corner around. So we had a lot of conversations about, you know, Super Bowl robust or is that a realistic expectation for Zach? And I'm going to keep it real. If Zach is not walking into the locker room thinking, yeah, we're going to win the Super Bowl this season because I'm going to do everything that I can to do to make it happen, I'm not sure if I'm going to appreciate the attitude. That The attitude is that you go into the season to win, period. period. You don't go in and say, oh, yeah, we're gonna, we'll be happy to win six games. No, no. We, need, we, we want to win and we want to win it all. It's a failure. If you don't make it to the playoffs, if you don't, if you're not contending for a Super Bowl, which and it's like last season, you know, everyone was rooting for the loss so we could get Trevor Lawrence. It's like I hated doing that. I just hated rooting for my own team to lose so we could get something. I mean, I know it would be good in the future getting Trevor Lawrence and everything, but it's just like I really hated that feeling of just wanting my team to lose because whenever we beat the Rams last season, I wanted to feel happy. But it's just like I couldn't because it's like we lost out on T-Law. I mean, now we got Wilson and I'm okay now. But it's just like I hated that feeling of wanting my team to lose. And I hope we don't have to do that again for maybe another 50 years or something like that. I just want it to be good winning football. And I think we're going to have that this season. I don't think it's going to – like I really think we're going to have competitive football this season. I really like what we did with Robert Sala. He's a guy who can – motivate players the 49ers defense was hit so hard with injuries last season they were like a top 15 unit top 10 unit because Robert Salas known for motivating their players to the best so I really like what the New York Jets did by hiring Robert Sala he's going to be a guy to keep our players competitive and with all the players we brought in I just really think we're not going to be the same old Jets we're going to be a new version of the New York Jets that's going to make New York City proud yeah man Amen I'm with you, Jude, yeah. And you know, I felt the same way. I didn't want to see my team lose. Like I was one of the biggest ones with that. Like I always, I was saying, you know, God forbid that Trevor wasn't that big a generational talent because guess what? Deshaun Watson put up the same numbers at Clemson. But when I said that, everyone attacked me. I was, you know, oh my God, you turned against the chosen one. Like what, what is wrong with you? No, and I wanted I- the Jets to lose last year. You know why? I wanted that offer. There, there was probably nobody rooting for 0-16 harder than me. And not because I want, not because of Trevor Lawrence, not because of the first overall draft pick. Okay, Kevin can tell you from week after week of us coming up here before the before the show had to be censored a little bit. Okay, it was I wanted the stink and the embarrassment and the absolute vile and vitriol and everything to be thrown the New York Jets organization's way. I wanted it thrown at Adam Gase. 
I wanted it thrown at Christopher Johnson. I wanted it thrown at the entire front office, Joe Douglas included. Because you, as a professional, would sit here and allow this garbage and expect people to pay their hard-earned money to watch this garbage and then have this, have the, the audacity to sit there and act like nothing's wrong, that everything is wonderful, because you're the idiot who's looking through the, looking through the world through the green and white goggles that, oh, your team just got beat by 30 points, but that's okay. Okay, because that's acceptable. Okay, there is no Jets fan, no respectable Jets fan worth their salt that could take a look at last season and find any type of a silver lining to it. None. Zero. Man, it was just so bad. All right, okay. ladies and gentlemen, we're coming up against it. We're getting ready to wrap this up. I just want to thank everybody who's been in the comments, who's been interacting with us. Obviously, we love you guys. We appreciate it. Once again, uh, we thank you very much for hanging out with us. Uh, Jim, once again, great show. Harrison, always spitting fire. Jude, my guy. You got you got it. You got another fan today, bro. You got another fan today, bro. Great job today, dude. Thank you so thank very you. much. CJ, as always, my man, we, we you know, come on, man. You're, you're under the weather and you still come in and you still bring heat. You're the, you're the, straw, you're the straw that stirs the drink, my man. So we appreciate you. Thank you very much for that. Um, look, I know, CJ, you have the normal spiel you want to give out. You know, before Absolutely. Let's good. rock and roll. So before. Before we start giving out our social media information, Jude, please um, give out your social media information so fans of Weapons Hot can interact with you, follow you, etc. So my YouTube is New York Jets News, but you could search up G-Jets on the YouTube uh, search bar and it'll still pop up. And my social media is on Twitter and Instagram. It's Jude underscore Jets and that's it. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, you can follow the show on Twitter at CNC Jets Factor. You can follow me. A Jets fan 0523, my partner's in crime, Mr. Kevin Spotty Blackman Jackson at Spotty Blackman. Okay, uh, you could follow our rookie test pilot, Harrison Fireball Glazer at NY Jets TF Media. And also, you can follow Jimmy the Reaper Jardine at Jets by Jimmy. Don't forget to check out our Facebook page. Don't forget to check out our Weapons High YouTube channel. Uh, also, don't forget to check us out on our main home base. The Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Download the app. You can find it on Google. Uh, if you have an Android, you can find it on the, iOS, or on the iOS store. If you have an Apple, it's the best way to consume Weapons Hot. Not only for future episodes, but also for past episodes as well. Also, be sure to leave us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing here on Weapons Hot. We appreciate everyone who interacts with us every single week. And without you guys, we are nothing. We love you guys very, very much. So... Ladies and gentlemen, for Jimmy the Reaper Jardine, Harrison the Fireball Glazer, Kevin Spotty Blackman Jackson, and our special guest this evening, Mr. Jude Jets. <coughs> this is CJ the Painkiller D. Simone signing off. We will see you guys when we see you guys. Peace, love, go Jets. We'll see you next week. Go get your COVID vaccine if you haven't already. Please stay safe. This stuff is real. Jimmy, I know you're shaking your head, but let me tell you something. I've been through two weeks of hell, buddy. I know you have. Master I'm two up. weeks past my last one now. I'm Master, good. I'm oh, not 100%, but I'm good. Yeah. Nothing's 100%. All right, guys. Have a good night. Go Jets, as always. Guys, I got my J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. There we go. Get it. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.